When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. I'm your woke brother extraordinaire number one. Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazni Lambre, if you want to get governmental on me. <laughs> Today, we're hosting a very special episode. Obviously, we got my paisan, Michael Jamal Abdul Shabazz Brooks on the line, right. as always. But I'm very proud to welcome in his on his inaugural voyage on the Woke Bros, my brother, Mariano Bivens, man. Yes, yes. The hairline guy. <laughs> tip set connoisseur. This guy is a legend. Wait, wait, wait. All right. I know Mariano from listening to the pod, but I didn't. I wouldn't say that I'm a dip set connoisseur. I would say I'm a dip set stan. So I'm happy to hear that. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. You know what? You know what? You the home, you the bro. You the, you, you just you leveled up all the way to the to the bro status right there. Man. Oh, I love that. You know how yeah. Look, I just have to say, when YouTube started doing the fucking algorithm where you couldn't play interstitial instrumentals anymore, TMBS ran on Dipset Instrumentals. That's probably (laughs) the only content in the world where it's like, all right, we're going to come back and talk about why we need to nationalize the credit card industry. (laughs) (laughs) And the beat to I really mean it is is on in the background. On today's show, we're going to get into Megan McCain going on Seth Meyers' show on Late Night and absolutely opposite herself. Yeah, the opposite of Dipset, the opposite of Woke. Yeah. You know, little trust fund baby embarrassing herself in front of the nation on Seth Meyers' great show. And then her cuck husband having a tantrum. Bro. I have a lot of thoughts about this. All right. Okay. Yep. Uh, also, just a quick recap of episode four of Game of Thrones, you know, it's the talk of the town. It's the talk of the internet. It's the talk of real life. It's one of the few things that you cannot escape, right? No matter what your social um, group may be, people are talking about Game of Thrones, whether you're at work, whether you're at 
school, whether you're at home, whether you're with your family, whatever the case may be, you're at Trader Joe's. It doesn't matter. People are talking to Thrones. So. Especially if you're at Trader Joe's. <laughs> and so, Everybody's at Trader Joe's, though. Yeah, that's a big fact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, of course, you know, this, this show is very drug-friendly. Yeah, uh, we are part of the legalize it movement, man, or at the very least, decriminalize it. Mm-hmm. Denver, Colorado, was putting the decriminalization of magic mushrooms up to a vote. The citizens of that city are actually going to get uh, an up or down vote of whether they should decriminalize magic mushrooms in the city of Denver, Colorado. We're going to get into that. And hey, schoolboy, Rob, Rob, real quick, Rob. I know that you quote unquote underproduced this show, but you know, you know, I think we're gonna need some sound effects maybe in the drug section. <laughs> a little editorial guidance, all right? That's all. Absol- That's all. Absolutely. And of and of course, schoolboy Q of black hippie fame, of TDE, Los Angeles, California, Hoover Crip, world famous. He just dropped an album last week. Uh, it's his third studio album. It's called Crash Talk. Man, um, I think uh, me and Mari are both pretty huge Schoolboy fans. Mike Absolutely. as well, and we're gonna and we're gonna get into we're gonna get into some of the themes of that album. But first, Megan McCain, she's just an abomination. She just <laughs> really is scum of the earth. I, and I hate to say that about a woman, right? Like about a young woman. Out in the world trying to do a thing, uh, but but my lord, she she goes on the Sunday shows. Which at this point in life, if you're actually watching the Sunday shows for news, turn woke bros off. Don't just unsubscribe us, man. If that's what you're doing, because it's like <laughs> it's literally where all the has-beens, all of the worst people in D.C. Or like, if you want to dig up Ali North and find out what he has to say about geopolitics. Even though he's a war criminal, you can find him on the Sunday shows, right? They'll let any Republican hack from yesteryear come on. Because as long as you got the sheen of being a former Republican operative, of once, you know, washing Ronald Reagan's drawers, you can get on the (laughs) Sunday shows. Like, that's basically the prerequisite for the Sunday shows. But, you know, she goes on the Sunday shows and she disparages Ilhan Omar, representative from Minnesota, uh... You know, with some pretty dangerous rhetoric, right? Uh, yeah. And you know what, man? I, I want to give a shout out to Seth Myers because, along with Jimmy Kimmel, obviously Colbert has a background in politics because he was doing The Daily Show and then the Colbert Report. So he's, you know, inherently political as a ta- as a um, late night host. Uh, obviously, we all pillory Jimmy Fallon and and and, and talk crazy about him because of his overt apoliticism which just grinds my gears, probably more so than even a guy that just comes out and spits right-wing rhetoric, right? Because we actually know where these people stand. Jimmy Fallon has decided to be on the, 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 you know, the sidelines, and I think his show has suffered from that, not just qualitatively, but just from the sheer viewers. But Seth Myers has been somebody from day one who has been overtly political, right? Like, if he sees something that he believes is wrong... Um, he's going to stand up and say something about it. So I commend him for, you know, taking that tact with everybody on m- multiple, a myriad of issues um, on his platform. So salute to that brother for that. But, you know, he went on, she went on the show and he took it a task for it. Rob, do you have the um, clip ready? 
Yeah, the full thing is like eleven, like eleven minutes or something. Yeah, like they got a three minute joint where right. he's basically like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> In the exactly. nicest way possible. possible. Right, exactly. That's the like thing. it's one of those things where like if you if you're really good at like reading between the lines and kind of body language, you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah, when you watch it, you like, like, boy, he's she doesn't even know. Like he's saying yeah, he's so going much. In. He's flaming. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um I wanna ask uh uh, about Ilhan Omar, Congresswoman from uh, uh, Minnesota. You know, she uh, was in a situation, you were uh, very vocal about some of her tweets. Uh, people were upset, thought it was uh, anti-Semitic language. She has since uh, unequivocally apologized for them. And then after that, uh, there was this tragic synagogue shooting in California, and you once again sort of, on a Sunday show, a uh, Sunday news show, uh, brought up her tweets again in the context of that shooting. Um, on George Stephanopoulos. On George Stephanopoulos, yeah. Um, on George Stephanopoulos. And I just wonder, because I do think <laughs> it's, it's fairly dangerous, and, and you brought it up after Congresswoman uh, 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 Omar had also had some death threats against her. Do you think, you know, she's obviously uh, now stated she needs to be more careful with her language. Don't you think other people who talk about her need to be a little bit more thoughtful as well? Or do you stand by those comments of tying her to this, her rhetoric to the synagogue shooting? I don't think I tied her to it in particular. I think that... I'm calling out what I see as anti-Semitic language, and when you're talking about, but even um, after hypnotic... you called out after she'd apologized for it, I do want to establish um, the timeline. I, I don't. I think that Democrats are are hedging on this, and I think it's very dangerous. And I think Chuck Schumer and I are in alignment about Israel's stance in, in geopolitical politics. I think it's of the <laughs> utmost importance, and I think she is bringing her party to the extreme extremism on this. And I think we have to look to Europe and what's happening over there and that they're, you know, in, in the British politics, anti-Semitism is very common. And I see it happening over there and I worry about it happening over here. I stand by every single thing I said. And if that makes me unpopular in this room or in front of you, so be it. Um, well, I don't... Oh, fuck. See, that's a weird thing that you take the position of trying to be unpopular. Here I am trying to, you know, find the common ground on this because I do think one of the... I think we can both Were agree... Were you bothered by her language about 9-11? Um, I thought it was taken out of context, and I think if you watch that whole Would you speech, give President Trump the same same leverage uh, if he had said the same thing? Uh, well, I would say that Donald Trump is certainly in no position to criticize her language on 9-11 based on the things that he said about 9-11, right? But would you give... I just think you have to give people the same credence, and I think... Well, I would let me make the, the clarification between Donald Trump and, and Ilhan Omar is one of them has apologized and said they're going to try to do better, and they're going to be educated by people who know about this. That's what she said. And I think she... You know, it's an interesting thing when we have two Muslim women for the first time, they do have a different perspective on things. And I think when we talk about the idea of, like, let's all try to meet in the middle on things, we have to listen to other people's perspective. And Oh, I agree. I work on The View with Joy Behar yeah, yeah, every yeah. day. I listen I to other to perspectives listen. on Is there a way for people to, to talk about uh, differences in Israeli <laughs> policy without getting framed as anti-Semitic language? Yeah, I just think you can't talk about uh, Jews hypnotizing the world, talking about all about the Benjamins. You keep bringing up the two tweets that she's apologized for, and I think that's a little unfair to her, especially because we've <laughs> Are established... Are you a publicist? What? Are you her press person? No, I'm just someone who, who cares about the fact that there's someone out there who is uh, in a minority, who has had death threats against her, and I think that we should all use the same language that you're asking her to be careful about her language, and I, I would ask everybody else to be careful about theirs. Okay. Yes. All right. I mean, I'm not sure what. What would you? What would? What would make you happy coming out of my mouth right now? I'm genuinely curious. I'm not. I'm perfectly happy with everything that's coming okay. out of my mouth, and I. Uh, so, uh, Mara, <laughs> you want to jump on that for a minute, man? I, I yeah. have. I'm going to unload on this. So yeah. Please. yeah um, <laughs> it's going to go in. So, so yeah. first, 
the first thing, there's a couple things. There's two or three things I took away from this right away, right? The first thing is whenever you're talking to somebody and you kind of call them out on something or take them to task, if the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, I don't think I, you got to know, like, you're dealing with somebody who's not even, they're not even really listening to you. They're just waiting to talk. She's like, well, I don't think I, it's not up to you. I'm telling you what this is. I'm telling you how I feel about this. You don't get to decide what, you know what I mean? Like whether you was right or wrong on this thing. Like it's not, that's just basic. That's just common sense. Um, The second thing is, I think she knew exactly where she was because she works on TV and she, because she's one of, you know, name drop, you know, oh yeah, I work on The View. Oh yeah, this, that, you know, this, that, and the third. Like she knows where she is. So she knows that this is going to go viral to a certain extent. That clip where she says, you know, if I look like this in front of you, so be it. And then she gets the applause. It's like, you can edit that clip and just put that out to whoever you want. And, it, you know, it's just going to go, it's going to do whatever, whatever you needed to do. You can you can shape the narrative however you want. And then the third thing is, like, she knew exactly what she was doing. And that's why I, I, I commend Seth Meyers on, you know, telling her, let's establish the timeline. You said this after this, you know, after she apologized. Right. You know, let's not act like you right. You got up here and you, you brought out something that nobody knew. You know, you dug in the, in the depths and just found this hidden gem. Like, no, you... You knew what you were doing. You put out this dangerous, you know what I mean? Like this dangerous kind of kind of talk. Like you know what you're doing, and but you're you know you're doing the same thing you're accusing other people of doing. You're saying you need to be careful. People need to be careful. But look what you just did. Like you know you you bringing up this shit after the fact. She's already apologized. She already said she you know like you said she want to move forward. She want to be better. And then you start you know if if um, for anybody who watched the whole thing, you start off by talking about how you know, Trump should be a family man instead of worrying about your family on the weekends and all this other type of shit. But as soon as it's convenient for you to bring up Trump, you bring him up. Well, would you do this if it was Trump? And it's like, yo, why, why are you even bringing his name up? Like, you just you just said, why is he bringing your family name up? But as soon mind as it's you, argument, like, come mind on. Mind you, Mari, this is the guy who said her dad wasn't a hero because his plane got shot down. And Bro, that's my listen. She spent, the first, she spent like the first half of the, the uh, interview talking about how Trump needs to stop worrying. You know, she, she spent the first half of the interview talking about how, um, you know, what she does on the weekend with her family and how you need to spend time with family because you can't take them for granted. And then she said she wished Trump would do the same thing. But as soon as Seth took her to task a little bit, she pulled the, you know, break the glass in case of, I'm, I'm wrong, Emergency. card. Like, oh, you know. But what about, but what about <laughs> if Trump said something right. racist or anti-Semitic, which he's already, like, he said anti-Semitic things already. Yeah, I don't right? know. Like, that's the funny thing. <laughs> like, Donald Trump was like, yeah, I like Jewish guys to handle my money. He said that. <laughs> he said that. Like, sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, I, no, I go ahead. Yeah, look, here. let me just say this. First of all, what Donald Trump said about John McCain was hilarious, and I have no problem with it. Uh, <laughs> but besides that... Um, like none. I have no problem with it. Like the only, the only positive thing that Donald Trump has ever contributed in life is occasionally exposing other Republicans for being who they are. Right. Literally. Right. And, but like what I just find, I mean, first of all, and you know that I am not the person like I hate people who are like, first of all, if it comes to grammar and spelling and shit like that, if you ever see my Twitter feed, I have no legs to stand on. I misspell. I miss words all the time more than I should. 
and I'm not a fucking scold, and I hate people that are like that. But I have to say, like, in a segment where you're watching a person who has literally had her entire life handed to her, and I always hesitate when I do this because I feel like it comes off as an insult because, but I have no, like, I have nothing but respect for people doing every type of job, period, right? And my perspective is that everybody should basically, no matter what they are, should be able, working wise, should have a lot of the money to live a good life and power over their lives, period, right? But the way we structure our society now, if you get to go to Columbia University, and make your career in television, most likely you are either going to be very financially privileged or in the case of her, a case of pure nepotism. And you look at her like she wouldn't be like if she was not John McCain's daughter and she was a middle manager at Applebee's, she wouldn't be the middle manager at Applebee's that everybody else would be like, you know what? She should be on The View. They'd be like, God, Megan is a fucking idiot. Megan is so fucking annoying. And I say all of that to say she used th two words just totally incorrectly in that clip, leverage, and, and I think the other one was credence. Uh, <laughs> just, wrong, just wrong use of words. And then she said geopolitical politics. Now, uh, two other quick things. Contrast that with Ilan Omar, where if you wanted to put advertisements for the United States in China – in the Middle East, in Africa, in Europe, wherever, to say, you know what, whatever you think of us and Donald Trump and all of the problems that we cause in the world and all of our kids. Look, at this, look at this shooting, woman. This woman gets to be a refugee, immigrate here, and now is in Congress. Fuck, look at what you can do here. She's right. the exact opposite of Meghan McCain or, you know, Chelsea Clinton for that matter. And then Meghan, Meghan McCain's husband who also, like, the only reason I know who this guy is, his name is Ben Dominich, and he's Meghan McCain's husband, which is funny. His dad <laughs> is a Republican official, which is why he's got some type of journalist job, and a couple years ago, he was accused of plagiarism. So he, he tweeted this out, and I just, like, remind everybody, as you guys pointed out, Seth Meyers, uh, that wasn't the interview, you know, he didn't go hard. He didn't. This is the tweet. I see that at Seth Meyers, the untalented piece of shit who <laughs> has his job because he regularly gargled Lauren Michaels' balls oh. after my wife tonight with his idiotic anti-Semitic bullshit. Now, he later apologized, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to throw it to you guys. But, I mean, could you imagine, in addition to everything else in that tweet, you really want to mention a job on television that was earned without merit in right. the process of defending <laughs> Megan McCain? <laughs> And um, isn't Seth Meyers Jewish? He's half Jewish. He's a half <laughs> so man. Seth Meyers is my centrist brother. If I if I was not a, a dirty communist, I would be Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers, exactly. <laughs> it's a it's a big fact. It's you know, and a lot of times what strikes me again, we know her politics, right? We know she's Republican. We know the Republican Party is the party of anti-Semitism, right? Which which is which is hilarious because honestly, yes, many Jewish people are very successful and they would be Republican, but for the fact that the party is rampant with anti-Semitism. Well, it's just like the Jamaican principle, right? We talk about 
Right. How a bunch of West Indian people yeah. would be uh, Republican because they love conservatism. They don't mind law and order. They like there's a lot of the tenets of Republicanism that they don't mind. But but except for the fact the party's base hates them. The party's base hates black people. The party's right. base hates Jewish people, right? So Meghan McCain giving speeches on anti-Semitism to Seth Meyers, who's actually Jewish, right. is hilarious. And, you know, and she does the classic thing, which is always, a, a you know, an automatic easy tell for, for somebody like me when they refer to Israel and not Jewish people or the Israeli people. Which is anti-Semitic, by the way. You understand what I'm saying? Like, is yeah. oh, oh, geopolitically, we're aligned with Israel. What does that mean? What does that... Who are you aligned with and why? Like, what are you talking about? We know you're aligned with the Israeli regime because that's what your party aligns with. Don't tell me you actually care about anti-Semitism in some real meaningful way, bro. It's like, just, you're Republican. It's just one of those words, though, Wise. Like, it's one of those things you put out there where... Is gonna get the attention. So you say it, and that's why I said she knew what she was doing. Like she did this on purpose. She says certain, you know, trigger things like on purpose, bro. And again, and right. and, and and I want people to understand what Mike is trying to say when he says just grouping all Israeli people, all Jewish people, with the actions of the Israeli state. Why that's why that's problematic because those who would, you know do terrorist attacks in Israel, right? That's what they do. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, all of the atrocities perpetuated by the Israeli state, and they and the state would say, well, we're doing it, we're doing it on behalf of all Jewish people. That's what they would say, right? Right. That, like, whatever, they whatever action that. they undertake is they for the safety not, and the betterment. They're not Palestinians and keeping Palestinians from having freedom of movement on behalf of me. Right, exactly. And so when Meghan McCain just conflates all Jewish people, all Israeli, all people who live in Israel um, with the, the decisions made by the likes of Benjamin Netanyahu, it's like, that's anti-Semitic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm aligned with Israel. What, what, is, what does that mean? You know, um, because the, the comments that the Congresswoman made were in reference to the Israeli state, were in reference to um, the lobbyists on Capitol Hill who lobby our politicians on behalf of who? The Israeli state. They're not doing it on behalf of everyday Jewish people, everyday Israeli people, you know, people who are on the front lines of this fucking problem. You know, that's so exactly. Megan McCain you know, just showed her really, ignorance I even when she tries to freaking, you know, quote-unquote, defend Israel's honor. It's ridiculous. No, but it's, it's ignorance, but it's also... I mean, look, the real question is, is, first of all, the real question of Meghan McCain is always, why the fuck are you on my television and or why are you <laughs> sitting here? That's the first question. And then the second question is, is how do you justify supporting an Amartan apartheid state? Period. And then the third question is that if you're committed to getting rid of anti-Semitism and hate and everything of all kinds, why are you, through your recklessness and your stupidity, potentially endangering a young leader's life? Which, incidentally, you could still, you know, I mean, I feel like we always do this, so I don't even want to do it. But, like, you could, you know, you could have your disagreements with Ilan Omar. Ironically, Ilan Omar's position on Israel-Palestine is actually very moderate, very mainstream. 
She supports a two-state solution. She just she just doesn't want to continue to see a state, you know, end a lot of innocent people's lives, which happens regularly. You know, there's no symmetry in that situation in terms of power. So, yeah, Meghan McCain, man, Meghan McCain is disgusting. And I think the only use of Meghan McCain is like literally, I mean, it sounds like a joke, but she is a walking case for socialism. This is why you cannot have power replicate itself like this on every Inheritance level. stuff like to, that. Inher- kids can't have inheritors, but this idiot can have a, a top-level life for no reason. Yeah, and even and even like you said, back to her, um, you know, to to her husband, you know, Mike, you spoke to this like, like you know, he said he later apologized. My thing about that is like, fuck the apology that comes after something you really meant. Like you just, it's it's like it's like you watch those shows where they're in court and the lawyer says something that, you know, they know that the judge is gonna be like, oh, the you know, the jury will take that from the record. You know what I mean? Like, just forget it even happened. Right. It's like, bro, no. I, we heard it already. Oh, you, can't. Know you meant that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we know you meant that shit. You just taking it back because you had to. You know what I'm saying? But it's already out there, bro. Like, in a screenshot, ever, like, it happened already. It was up long enough for people to get it. We still have it. You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck that apology. Man, Absolutely. Well, well said, guys. Uh, you know, Maggie McCain is who she is. I, I actually, every now and again on Twitter, when when Joy is just absolutely eviscerating her or eviscerating something that she knows Megan McCain stands for, I actually stop and enjoy those clips every now and again. But, you know, we're going to move on to something but <laughs> slightly... Let me, say, let me just say, I know but, I got this on my chest, but the insult... Like, if you look even on that panel, right... Joy Behar, this like working class Italian lady, Whoopi Goldberg, and then Sunny. I don't even know Sunny's like, I don't know how she came up in her career. But you literally have three women, two of whom are women of color, one of whom's Italian, who seems like she's a Jew to me. And then <laughs> up against literally two daughters of multi-millionaire Republican politicians. And at least Abby Huntsman ducks back. Like, the fact that Joy Behar has to sit across from Meghan McCain is an insult to Joy Behar. But all right, that's it. That's all I got. Well, no, I I just wanted to move to something actually more divisive than American politics at the moment, and that's Game of Thrones. The the crazy thing is, man, Mari, I haven't really gotten a chance to wrap it with you. Um, I I already know you're a huge Thrones fan, a Thrones head, Thrones, you know, stan, all of that. Uh, But it's pretty much ever since it's come out that the show is going to be veering from the books, right? Because obviously, and I'm going to preface this because I keep saying this. The man finished his book, or it came out. Not that it was finished. It was put out. It was published in 2011. The last of um, the A Song of Ice and Fire series. Right. We're talking about um, George R.R. Martin. Um, That was in 2011. Uh, The show has ran through the book's material, and pretty much ever since that's been the case, a lot of the diehards, the book devotees, a lot of people have basically started oh, to where I stand overly critiquing the show. 
yeah. basically like, oh, it's out of the hands of the master, and now these rookies are fucking up the legacy. We're like, as if, <laughs> as if every single plot point and storyline of this show was just perfect and had no critiques. And, you know, there was nothing you could overly analyze about. It's like, no, we were engaging with shit that we really liked. I just think people have taken an overly critical eye, in my opinion. That's just my personal opinion. Um, ever since the show's the shows, um, the showrunners have gone off book and they basically decided on wh- what direction they wanted to take the show. Uh, that being said, I would say episode four of season seven was the worst show of the season, right? I was somebody who enjoyed yeah. the first one, super duper enjoyed the second one where everybody was saying their goodbyes. Mm-hmm. And the third episode, the, the the war episode against the freaking monstrous death, um, death bringing zombies was incredible. I was blown yeah. away. I thought it was an amazing episode of see, um of It TV. lived up to the hype. In my opinion. Yeah. But then I go on the internet and I see there are people bitching about it. And I'm like, to America's, I guess. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Must be two sides. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, episode four was, you know, in fairness, it was a, it, it both dragged along and it skipped a trillion steps. It's weird how it was able to do both of those two dichotomies. And I just want to say this um, and let you guys comment on what your thoughts on the episode were. I just think... A couple of things, and I shared these thoughts on Twitter too. Um, I think the sh- the people who make the show, uh, Weiss and Benioff, they've been doing the show for ten years now, damn near, and the show is an eleven month a year job. Literally every single day for eleven months out of the year, they are doing this show and nothing else. Um, and so. The last two, when they decided that they were going to bring this thing to a close to move on with their life and do something more, they decided that the last two seasons would be abbreviated. Last year was seven episodes. This season is six. Um, I think the the amount of story that's been covered so far and that will be covered between last season and this season was probably something that should have been done over 30 episodes, and it's being done over 13, right? So basically over three normal throne seasons are being put into two abbreviated throne seasons. And that's, I think that's where you're starting to see um, some of the cracks in the armor, right? I think that's where a lot of, where the, the, some of the plot points feel rushed or how did such and such get there in just one episode and yeah. all of the critiques that you've seen online. I think that's been the result of this. But what I will say, these people are making this show in real time. George R.R. Martin has had eight years to finish his book, and he hasn't. And so what these people have been able to accomplish with this show, in my opinion, is nothing short of breathtaking, incredible, and they're going to go down in history as legends for what they did with this show. I'm very happy sure. for what they're doing. Um, I th- This is my favorite show of all time. I will say that because I, I just don't think the experience of watching Game of Thrones has ever been replicated, duplicated, will ever be any of those things. Like, I don't think you can make something this entertaining. Um, I love The Sopranos. I love The Wire. I love Breaking Bad. I love yeah, Mad yeah. Men. Wow. And I was going to ask you, I was going to ask wow. you that, like, do you think that experiencing in real time on social media plays a part in your opinion on that or, or no? Um, nah, honestly, I think my engagement with TV, like I, okay. I my engagement with so much TV, like I yeah. love these other shows for what they are. And, you know, 
I don't think Game of Thrones, I think Game of Thrones comes damn close to reaching the the levels of human complexity on something like Sopranos or Mad Men, right? For sure. Or, of course, um, explaining systems and institutions the way The Wire does. Obviously, it doesn't reach the heights of those shows, but it comes damn oh, close. I, I, I just, okay, cool. You're not it, saying that it's as good no, as... No, 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 no. It comes right, damn cool. close all right, all right, while all also right. being... Purely entertainment value wise. It's about to get very wary of this whole. Extra- no, 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 no. On, enter- on entertainment value, All right. it's unmatched. You can't see it. And those other things, those ancillary things, what they do with humanity and institutions and things of that nature, they do a damn good job of it while being the most did entertaining. You guys, did you guys read the books? No, hell no. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, nah, I ain't reading. Okay, that. good. Because I felt like, because I, I'm listening to you guys. You guys are so much more serious about the show than I am. I was like, wait a second. I mean, I knew that Waz didn't read the book actually, because I feel like we've talked about this before. But no, okay, I didn't. All right, I you didn't. didn't, didn't all right, okay. All right. No. I just love the show. Just purely into like the highs that this show is able able to deliver. I've never experienced with any other product on TV. Right, like you can say what you want to say about the lows, but when this show is hitting and is humming, there's just yeah. nothing. There's never been anything like it, in my yeah. opinion. And that being that, said, episode four was terrible. Well, <laughs> well, okay, go ahead. <laughs> to to, to Waz's point about the highs is like whether you judge it as a high or a low emotion, as a high entertainment value, yeah, emotionally it might have been the lowest, but like the red wedding, um, that was the moment, and I ask people this to this day, like. I, as Thrones fans to this day, have you ever seen an episode of any television show that made you feel like the Red Wedding? I haven't. Like, right. that was the moment where I had to make a decision. Like, dog, do I even want to continue watching this show? Like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, this shit is, you know what I'm saying? But um, right. but but to Waz's point about episode four, like, it was just, I'll tell you the one thing that I kind of, I'm going to give Danny a little bit of, uh, I'm going to let her off the hook a little bit here. Because, like, you know, if you watch it after the show goes off, you know, they talk about, uh, you know, stuff in the plot, stuff in the episode, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, um, he was talking about how she forgot about the fleet or whatever. And then they, they you know, somebody put together a clip where they said, uh, <clears throat> they reminded her, like, right before the scene that I think Varys was reminding her or something like that. She had, now you got to remember, she's the mother of three dragons, right? Right. I'm a father of three kids. I forget shit all the time. Like, if you tell me <laughs> something right now, if I forget it in, like, three minutes, it's not your fault. It's not, like, the fault of it. It's mine. Like, it's just it's just what it is. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her off the hook a little bit <laughs> with that part. Uh, but I do agree with Wise. Like, let's say this season was, you know, as long as, like, your, your typical Sopranos or Wire season where it's, like, double-digit episodes, right? I don't think anybody will have a problem with the last two seasons because a lot more dialogue happens, a lot more gets explained. But when you do it this way, it's just like, eh, I, I get it, but like, come on, bro. Like in the don't sacrifice the story for just giving me some thrill, some entertainment, you know, whatever. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Go ahead, Mike. No, I was just gonna say, I mean, I think that I, I'm I'm not like I'm like in and out with this show because, you know, like I feel like I mean we've talked about this like with Beyonce as an example, right? Like how that there's some things that like everybody loves, so then other people position themselves to hate it just to be contrary. 
And I definitely do not hate Game of Thrones. I've gotten brought back into Game of Thrones because I legitimately, like, I do want to see what happens. There are a couple of characters that I kind of care about, um, although, to be honest, not that many, which maybe is one of the reasons that I'm not that deep in the show. Right. But I guess the question, like, and and I'll just make part of my bias is that I don't like I can watch shows where fucked up horrible things happen for sure. I mean, <laughs> I'm a Sopranos stand. I, I do think the Sopranos is the best show Bro, ever made. I think I so, Mike. Listen, yo, we yeah. gotta we gonna have to have a serious pod one day, bro. You just said two key things while we've been on this shit: Dipset and the Sopranos, bro. That's <laughs> we gonna have to talk. Absolutely. I watched the I rewatched the Sopranos once a year, like literally. Yes. I rewatched it. I yes. just finished my hundredth rewatch like last week. That exact okay. We that's the show. Woke Bros, Dipset, and Sopranos, like <laughs> only the finest yes. things in life conversation. Yes. But like, ex- and I think the part of it is like the Sopranos has extraordinarily fucked up shit happen, and as real and as real as Game of Thrones is, and as visceral it is. There always is that element of like they've got the British accent and Lord suck my dick off and whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> separate yourself a little bit. But the Sopranos, it's like, no, this is happening right now. Like, yeah. you know, so my thing with the with Game of Thrones, honestly, and again, maybe this is me just being weak. I understand the plot points. I get the writing, but when they burn that little girl, it was like <laughs> so I felt like giving the show the finger back. Like, uh, I'm done with this. Yo, fuck Stannis forever, yo. I don't. Seriously. There's anybody out there that loves Stannis or likes Stannis, Stannis Baratheon. Bro, I couldn't yo, believe that. You know shit, what the man. thing is, though, Mike, too? Um, I think if you're able to watch the show at a remove, uh, I don't know that you're. I think. I don't know that your viewing experience is enhanced, right? Like, part of. A, a, a huge part of the show is like Lost and like some of these other shows that came before where there's this whole community of people after the show, like digging for Easter eggs and figuring out what's going to happen next and, you know, using the book as context and blah, 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 blah. Like there's the show and then the, there's the experience of experiencing the show amongst a bunch of other people afterwards. And that was always great when we all agreed that Game of Thrones was awesome. The minute they stopped using the books, um, you know, I feel like a lot of book people online, people who, I don't want to demean them, but they seem like fucking dorks to me. Um, (laughs) This show has become more divisive amongst the people who like the show. You know, so like that's how, so that's why I'm, that's why I gave that whole prologue. It's like, because I love the show so much, I've always been subjecting myself to all the Let me actually ask you guys, because I I felt like I rambled. What my real question is, is in The Sopranos, and again, that's to the highest standard, but even The Wire, right, which I actually don't think holds up quite as well, but is definitely a really good show. There is like, when... When the when the boy uh, gets killed in the first season of The Wire, it's earned. It makes sense, and it's fucked up. It's sad, but it's like, yeah, that that's where they needed to go. That storyboard, like, and while Game of Thrones, of course, it's a brilliant show. It's going where it needs to go. There is an element where it's like you're just going there to fuck with people. 
people. And I, <laughs> oh, I, that annoys but, me. Am I wrong? But see, but, uh, but that's the thing. Like, um, the subversive nature of the show is what drew people in, right? It's like, Jamie Lannister, you think he's Prince Charming? No. He fucks his sister and he pushed the baby off of a freaking roof, right? Um, let's start. Right. Ned Stark, you think he's the hero of the story? No, his fucking head gets chopped off episode <laughs> nine, right? Like they're they like they made their bones subverting people's expectations. Um yeah. and so they have too many masters to serve. There are the people you, who like the battles. There are the people you know who what? like the dope dialogue. There are the people who like the subversion of the show. They're serving a lot of masters. Um, Mike, I think they earn their bones doing that shit. <laughs> Sadly. And then they kind of had to um I think they kind of had to every once in a while give like a little reminder of these times because like these are the times where this type of shit was acceptable by like the masses where it's like oh shit yeah you know you 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 burnt you burnt your daughter oh yeah well you well you had to it's like and it's showing this shit because it's like you we watching this show and it's like I know he's a piece of shit but it's like we have to really show you like no you think you know you think you know you hate Stannis or you don't like Stannis. Let me give you a real reason. Yeah, and I think fundamentally, the show is about power, right? Like, it's just about how bloodthirsty, how avarice people can get when it comes to power. Uh, I think that's the main thrust of the show, if you will. But I just think in recent years, pretty much ever since seasons, I want to say season six, because that's when they first started going, quote unquote, off book. People have just become, some of the fans of the show have just become insufferable to the point where it's like, um, there have been episodes where I didn't like, uh, I wasn't like blown away by Game of Thrones episodes, but I'll still listen to at least like two hours that week of podcasts and read like at least yeah. four or five articles about the episode and, and still do what I do because I feel but like. Then too, but then too, wise, like the, the older I get, the more I realize that. I don't have to like every episode to like the series or the show. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't I don't necessarily have to like oh, every no, Mari, single I, thing. I accept that about everything yeah. that I that I consume. But what For I'm sure. saying is what enhanced my Game of Thrones experience was what I was doing after the show. Oh, right? okay, like, I got you. Still got you. sort of engaging with the show after I had watched it. I find myself now, I don't even want to engage with it afterwards because people have just become so insufferable no, about 100%. the show. So now I'm just yeah. going to enjoy yeah. it on my own and like that's, that's the let whoever's why. doing what they do on Twitter and Reddit yeah. go jerk off somewhere. That's the reason why I don't even like engage on the timeline like when it's, when it's going on, you know what I mean, so much because it's like... Like you said, one one part of that is <clears throat> people are insufferable. You got people that's like, it's like this elitism where it's like, oh, well, I've read the books or, well, I know more than you do, so if I don't like it, then it's not to be liked. If you yeah, like it, you're wrong type of shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I know for a fact that I like a lot of... I like, listen, my favorite character is Cersei. I'm sorry, bro. Like, I, it's unpopular. Ooh. It's a very unpopular opinion. And <laughs> But I'm gonna tell you why though. I'm, let me tell you why, right? Most of the times when I watch these shows, I connect with the character that if I don't agree with what you're doing, but the action, like I respect the action of it. I I love it. Like, you know, even and it might and it might even be like a vanilla take about the Sopranos, but like Tony was my favorite on the show. And it's just like it's it was easy to pick Tony because he did everything that I want a character to do. He was like the perfect main character. And that's probably why it's my favorite show ever, because 
What I didn't have to go outside to kiss their husbands. Shit's disgusting. I guess. <laughs> you know, so um, like, <laughs> you know, so for, yeah, for me, so, so now that's a part. That's a part of episode four that I did like, and that was when Cersei showed everybody what I've been telling them the week <laughs> leading up to that. I said the Night King dude, he was cool. He was all right, but they' about to see the real now, and everybody kept right. saying like, well. Well, the night came, blah, blah, I said, okay, well, he ain't her. And then yeah. she showed everybody, he ain't me. She's I'm a more compelling villain, 100%, 1,000% than Easy. the Night King. I'm like, you know, I just wanted to, the reason why I'm happy we touched on it today, because I just wanted the people out there who listen to Woke Bros or listen to Bomb or whatever, if you want to hear positive reinforcement about the show, if you actually like the show still, you'll be able to get that content from me. <laughs> you know, if you want to hear misery, um, there there's plenty of that going on um around the internet. You got anything else, Mike? You know, I'd just say that I mean, I feel like maybe this is this maybe this is my contrariness, but I checked out of the show for a while. I was sick of people talking about it. I was I liked it, but I was never enthralled as everybody else, and so I stopped watching. Uh, but now I'm kind of like, you know, it's the Godfather three principle. Like I'm pulled back in. I just, I genuinely want to know how this happens. I think that, you know, there it's fun. What's the only other thing that's interesting is I think you're going to need to calibrate the, the Danny character because she's become like, you've got like Elizabeth Warren writing like blog posts about her or whatever, which is ridiculous. But the truth is, is like (laughs) the writing and the setup is that, yeah, like this chick is basically a neoconservative and she's like really power mad. And maybe the lesson will be that like (laughs) the, the free folk are right. And this whole like, is crazy to begin with and also i am i actually i understand i I think cersei like that's a compelling character but i really like sansa to me is such like i don't know man that's just an amazing character to me same my uh, my opinion that's the the, she's the person who i'm rooting for the most me too um, as the season yeah sansa's my favorite like her transformation from Stupid girl who wanted to marry the disgusting, depraved Joffrey. And got, like, and got her pops clipped and got her dying yeah. to marry this kid to what she's become now, just like a really savvy person, like a smart person. Somebody's a brilliant strategist, ruthless, brilliant like, I'm, strategist. I'm Sansa. But and she's ruthless, she's, but she still has some, like, you know, she's not, she's not depraved. I mean, that's she's not burning people. I feel like, like the universe I'll, I'll tell you show. this. Yeah. I'll tell you this, and more importantly, if I didn't check out the show when I saw the Rastafarian Targaryen shit, I'm not going to check out, period. Like, <laughs> you know, I saw that clip, right? Yeah. Like, if that yeah, didn't stop that. me from watching the show, nothing will. Because I, I that was the that. worst shit ever. So That was pretty wild. I'm here. I also thought the little the little excursion to, like, the fake Persian people was <laughs> not exactly well executed. Of course. And, uh, you know, again, some of the show's themes... And these are George R. R. Martin's themes, where like the you know the Dothraki are basically the Mongols, and they portray them as savage, uneducated idiots. Uh, you know, 
nobody dwelled on that stuff back when it was George R. R. Martin, but whatever. I digress, guys. Yeah, like the leader couldn't even talk. Like Kyle Drogo <laughs> couldn't even saying? talk. He just communicated in like grunts and like eyebrow raises and shit. Oh, I do like how George R. R. Martin to me, and I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but he always seemed like, you know, he's a man who understands appetites of all kinds. And anytime a character was too like He's just like, oh, you don't want to fuck your sister? You don't, you're not an alcoholic? Fuck you. I'm going to behead you. <laughs> <laughs> and with that said, ladies and gentlemen, um, Game of Thrones, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on HBO Sunday. Only two episodes left, guys, so um, check it out. excited to get to this to this part of the program because it brought me back to my I want to say sophomore year in college one of my very close friends Nicole Shock uh, she asked me if I wanted to try mushrooms <clears throat> and I was and I had just gotten the fo- off the phone with my mom I was done with class for the day so basically I had no more obligations for the day and I said hey why the hell not What ensued, guys, was some of the craziest things that my mind has ever seen. And, um, you know, that's the first and only time I've actually ever tried mushrooms. But, man, it's something that will never leave me. (laughs) That experience is something that is seared into my brain, literally. Um, With that being said, Denver, Colorado is putting up decriminalization of magic mushrooms on the ballot for their citizens to vote on. Um, and for those of you who don't understand what decriminalization is, it's not made, quote-unquote, legal. It's still illegal to sell it, profit off of it. But um, if the police find you with, you know, personal usage quantities of, of mushrooms on you, you will nothing of consequence will happen to you, right? Um, and if it passes, like, the police will be given a mandate. Like, basically, this is the lowest priority thing that any police officer in Denver should be um, pursuing. Uh, so I think it's just, you know, I think it just speaks to this moment that we're in right now. I know the the um, prison reform movement has kind of lost a little bit of steam uh, you know, because of Donald Trump and the various other things. But I think that thing is still very real. I think uh, I think what we're trying to do with destigmatizing people who are addicted to opioids and dealing with the opioid epidemic, I think all of that stuff is of a piece um, with what's happening in the moment right now. So to see what uh, Denver, Colorado was doing, of course, Colorado being one of the first states to legalize cannabis, um, and, you know, they, they, their tra- tax revenues are going through the roof behind that. Um, I just think it's really cool, man. I think this is just of, of a piece with what's going on right now, guys. Mari, have you done mushrooms? I haven't. And the thing is, um, so I had some homeboys... Uh, who did do this. Like, you know, they went on a whole, literally went on a whole trip. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just like, they came back and told me like, bro, listen, (laughs) I ain't telling you to do it, but hey, like, you know, we went up there and we, you know, they told me the whole spill about it. And I was just like, okay, like this, you know, it it sounds like my type of, 
it sounds like my type of vibe, you know what I mean? It sounds like my type of getaway. So, you know, and, one day. And just, <laughs> and just to speak to what Maury's talking about, um, people have been experimenting, like I'm talking about scientists, um, have been experience, experimenting with microdosing um, for people who suffer from depression, for people who, uh, you know, have other addictions. Um, the active ingredient, I don't know how to pronounce this, but I think it's... Psilocybin? Psilocybin. Too fucking Mike, man. Um, so the active ingredient <laughs> has been shown to not be an addictive product. Uh, it's not something like it's one. It's safe, is what I'm trying to say, right? Like even though people hallucinate, and obviously you probably shouldn't drive a car on mushrooms or operate a crane um, on mushrooms, but it's been shown to be a relatively safe drug in a country where you know folks are allowed to make not do nine billion in sales on oxy cotton right well i mean uh, that's definitely true i would say you know as somebody who you know i haven't done a huge amount but i've done a little bit of you know experience in this realm including by the way like trips that were bad like i did <laughs> oh, a trip man. i did a trip honestly michael i could so see you having a bad trip <laughs> what'd you like, say i could so see you having a bad trip that is just clear as day for me bro why me i'm so chill though no, it's not that you, but you're but you're still <laughs> neurotic though. Not that you're not neurotic. Yeah, you're anti. That's anti-Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> neurotic. I don't have Sorry, Larry David. My brain was <laughs> fuck out of here. Wait, you really think I'm neurotic? No, I'm just playing. All right. Uh, <laughs> um. Oh shit. I love the fucking, you really think I'm neurotic? Actually, neurotic joke fell flat. Um, no, but I had a trip like a couple of weeks before Trump got elected. And it like, that was the precursor. I was like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. <laughs> this comes as no surprise. Like some bad shit is about to arrive, you know? And we already were in some really bad shit. But I just think like, you know, this is definitely an area where actually like people being allowed to do it in like proper context and settings really makes a difference. Like it's not like weed where that's just ridiculous. And we all know all of the racial and economic. Right. It's not even worth the conversation. Like this, with yeah. Like whatever. That just needs to be legal. Stop it. Whatever. But this is a play, you know, like, yeah, it's not necessarily like as someone like I've done it in both like a kind of, you know, quote unquote party context and then more of a set context. And you really should do it in a set context, including, you know, like there's actually been governmental grants for psychiatrists and other people to kind of study this stuff for people facing really serious things like yeah. life, you know, PTSD, depression, and then I just anxiety. Think, anxiety. I think there's also like a bigger point too about really like the right of people, I mean, to like, pro like to deal with and explore their own experience right like that is crazy on some level yeah be human have the control of you know someone's ability to potentially evolve themselves like i don't know i'm just about to go actually in a couple of weeks on a meditation retreat and shut all of this shit off and yeah. You know, like that's on the same continuum. I think, like, it, it, you know, and there's also big implications for like Native Americans. They already have an exemption with, um, with uh, peyote, but mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I do think that this is a justice and freedom issue. And I think even yes. think about the setting of it, 
the fact that it's illegal is paranoia creating in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you got to sneak around and use these right. different yeah. avenues to, you know, it's like, oh, shit, I got this much time off of work to do this, or I got this much time away from this to do that. And it's just, like you said, that can create even more anxiety within itself. And, um, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, come on, bro, you, you, you can't expect people to just always, every single day, just deal with this shit sober. Like you just, you can't, I mean, you know, if, if that's their thing, if that's what they're into, if you're not, not into right. it, then cool, but come on. Like, yeah, right. I, and and you know, and and for me, this is the first step in a more in in one legalization and regulation. Meaning, like, all right, you can go to the store and you can get a dosage of this without a prescription, or you can get a doctor to be like, you know what, this would be a safe amount for you to do. Like, get professionals involved, right? This for is sure. the first step in getting to that to that space. And again, I can't stress this enough. This is the country that allowed, you know, people like the Sackler family to make right. billions of dollars off of opioids. And then, and you know, I like to use this example whenever, um, cause oftentimes like I'll be with my girlfriend saying she'll introduce me cause she, you know, she's, I don't want to say she's apolitical, but she's not she's as Armenian. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's not, you know, she's not where say me and Mike are politically, right? Um and so she's amused by the fact that I self-identify as anti-capitalist and communist, right? Like she finds right. it amusing. So she likes to tell people like at parties like, "Oh, my boyfriend's a communist," blah blah blah, and people be like, "Well, why?" I'm just like, "All right. I'll, I'll give you an example of this one family this one company that sells opioids to people learned that it's super addictive. So they're like, yo, make our doctors push the higher dosages because those are more addictive. Then say, yo, you know how else we can make more money? We'll be, we'll start, we'll um, erect treatment facilities and we'll charge the insurance companies to, to get people um, treated. And then we'll make the drug that we serve to people at the treatment facility. Like, that's just capitalism in a nutshell right there, right? Like, in a snapshot. Like, that's why I'm anti-capitalist, right? Yep. And so, in a country that allows people to do shit like that, um, you know, decriminalizing freaking mushrooms, man, it only makes sense. Of course. Yeah. Um... I'm gonna try them one day. Fuck it. I, I told y'all. I, I mean, well, you know, people yeah, know. Just make sure you have the whole day off. Oh yeah, no, 100. percent It's gonna be a listen. We, me and my wife already talked about this. Like, it's gonna be a whole. Yeah, y'all drop you know, the kids to somebody. 100. Oh, yeah. Don't have the kids. And yeah, you, go to the park we, or something. It'll be amazing. When I had that edible episode, um, Mike, I don't know if you know about the story, but I'll tell it to you if you don't. Dumb. Um, so this had to be what I guess two years ago now. Two years ago now, on Christmas, um, my homeboy bought, you know, a cookie over. He was like, yo, you can just have it. You know what I'm saying? It's Christmas. Fuck it. Like, we chilling. You can just have it. I said, all right, cool. Ate a little piece of it. Um, it was good. Ate, ate another little, you know, small piece because I know I know what I'm dealing with, right? So I said, okay. Well, I think I know what I'm dealing with at this point. So I said, okay, cool. Ate the piece. I'm chilling. So maybe like I'll say 30, 45 minutes later, a little bit of it start to hit me. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is manageable. I can tolerate this. I eat another piece. So at this point, there's maybe like, I want to say like a third of the cookie left, right? So I put I put the cookie up. I said, all right, that's it. Because I know it's, you know, I'm cool. I'm good right now. I'm thinking that's it. I was like, you know what? 
Man, me, me finish this shit, dog. This shit ain't, ain't really about what everybody. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, this shit ain't what everybody. Oh, so I um I finish it, and so maybe an hour after this, so it's been about an hour and a half, right? Going pushing, we pushing like two hours now. So my homeboy like, all right, you know, all right, bro, I'll let you tomorrow, whatever, whatever. Hit me. So I right, cool, and I always describe it like this, Mike. The scene in um the Dark Knight where the Joker he leaves the hospital and he press the button and it don't work right away, and then um you know then it work and it and then it just blow up like I feel like that's what he did when he left my apartment because <laughs> as soon as he left because I started feeling sleepy when he was there I was like I'm just sleepy I was like I'm about to get some good ass sleep tonight I'm cool he left that shit hit me bro like the like the like the motherfucking uh, Acme Anvil like you know what I'm saying I. Bro, listen, from that point on, I went and took a shower. I got out the shower. I thought I was about to die because I had the chills. Like, but it was cold. You know, it's Christmas. So it's like, you know, it's December. It's cold. I'm like, oh, I'm about to, I'm about to die. Like, it's just, oh, I was gonna be some, it's gonna be some bullshit way to go out right here, but I'm I'm done. So, <laughs> so then I found myself going back in the bathroom. I sat on the toilet. I didn't have to do anything. I just sat there. I just sat there for a minute. I was like, you know what? I'm going to dry off. I'm going to get myself together. I bet. Cool. Go downstairs. Um, you know, my, <laughs> my wife, <laughs> I'm chilling. Bro, later on that night, dog, I, I ended up asking my wife, uh, yo, if the cats had jobs, like, what do you think jobs they would work? Like, you know, <laughs> I'm dead serious, bro. Like, I'm dead serious. <laughs> oh, come on, Mark. She answered me. She answered oh, me and gave me, Lord. like, a good-ass... But I'm... Bro, but this is the part of the story I'm going to tell you, bro. This is the part of the story where I really knew, like, nah, there's something wrong with these shits. Like, so we chilling. And, um, you know, baby girl, our, our youngest daughter, is, like, on the... She's on the couch. She's on her tablet. Right? So we looking at her, and, like, I tapped my wife. I said, yo. I said, am I bugging? I said, look around her. Like, look around Sky. Like, she got this, like, this aura. It's, like, fucking glow around her. Like, bro, is. Like, what is this shit? So she saw it, too. She was like, yeah, this is crazy. And then, like, we stared at the shit for, like, had to be three minutes. And I was like, oh, so it's the tablet. It's the light from the tablet. Like, fuck. Like, don't. <laughs> like, it's, it's nothing. Literally. Oh, boy. I'm dead that was bro. not a commercial for magic mushroom and light, yeah, it wasn't. folks. If you want to take a journey, <laughs> that's it. It's been two years since I had that shit. I'm still scarred from it, bro. Trust me. Speaking oh, of we, journeys, yeah, we man, got very serious. Um, <laughs> speaking of journeys, I just wanna, I just wanna quickly, briefly, uh, Mari, um, he's bringing back the M O R E series. Series um, is is on the Count the Digs Patreon. Mari just dropped a a fresh episode, the fresh one. If you have, if you're not a Patreon yet, please become one. Patreon.com backslash Count the Dings for all extra Count the Dings content. Uh, man, Schoolboy Q just dropped his album last week. I was I was blessed enough to be able to um attend the, the listening party, which was a couple of weeks ago, where he played um. He played like I want to say maybe six or seven tracks, um, of which at the time I didn't remember because I was drunk. It was open bar and I wasn't really paying attention to the music. <laughs> but this weekend I was able to actually engage with the album. Um, I think it's a great. I think it's dope. I you know right now I don't think I like it as much as I like Blank Face. I, I was obsessed with Blank Face when it came sure. out, and I think this album tonally is a little bit different from Blank Face. But I wanted to get your thoughts just to give the people a preview of um, M O R E Mari. Wait, let me just say real quick, because I literally need to run right this second. 
So I just want to thank you guys so much, Mara. You got to come back on regularly. Oh, for sure. Uh, Thank you, bro. Yeah, man, it's my honor. Thank you guys so much. I'll see you guys, you know, next week, obviously. And, you know, Michael Brooks show, patreon.com slash TMBS. All right. Talk about Schoolboy Q and I'll see you guys. (laughs) All right. All right, Mike. All right, YG. Um, Yeah, but the Q album, you know, for anybody who hasn't listened to uh, the last MORE episode um, titled The Q Episode, um, that that album to me, how I summed it up, wise was, it's Q's way of reminding people that he can make the popular music without sounding like everybody else that's doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like he starts the album off with a popular, you know, that type of beat, that type of tempo. You know, it's called, yeah. you know, uh, gang shit. You know what I'm saying? I it's mean, just the first like, the first single, Mari, um, Num Num Juice. Num Num Juice was, yeah. that's basically what that is. He's like, 100%. all right, I know what the contemporary sound is. I could do 100%. it and do it fantastically. And I love that song, by the way. Yeah. no, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and that was the song that got me even more hype, you know, because I had heard he was dropping an album through the grapevine. I was like, oh, Q drop? Okay, cool. You know, I'm, I want to hear what he on. And when I heard Num Num Juice, I said, oh, shit. Like, he, he has this way of mastering that first single, and I, and I referenced Man of the Year. Like, Man of the Year is one of those songs that if you play it right now, it still sounds new. It, sound, it still sounds like it just came out. And I don't think that feeling ever fade the way that music is going and it's evolving. That sound is something that you can, any given time, you know what I'm saying? And, and it'll still be relevant. It'll still hit. Um, but that album was dope, man. And I, and I thought that the he brought it all together with the song Crash because, you know, the album's called Crash Talk. You know, usually when people think about crash, you think about the word crash, you think about an accident. But with Q, it was like ironic because like none of this shit is accidental with him. He's telling you like, you know, I'm going to go until I burn out, basically. Like if I fail, my daughter fails. So I'm going to go until I just cry. I'm going to go until I completely crash and burn out on this shit. Also, I'm with all of the smoke that y'all niggas want. Like with his industry people, uh, obstacles, whatever it is in life, I'm ready to crash and hit y'all head on and like I'm really about this shit you know what I'm saying I think that's what kind of summed the album that's what I took from it that was my interpretation of that song and the music fit all of the music fit for me yeah um I you know people people who familiar with what we've been doing over the years Mari knows that like I'm not the biggest Kendrick Lamar fan right like not that I think right, he's right. whack obviously he's incredible he's you know no, his no, I'm saying he's a genius you know that, level you know. Yeah. You know, like that goes without saying, but like I just never really connected with what he was doing. But I just remember the first time I listened to Schoolboy's first album, I was just like, because I didn't listen to the mixtape, right? Um, I wasn't on them. I wasn't on any of these cats when they were on their come up. It was oh, okay. basically Collard Greens was Habits my introduction. Right, exactly. Okay. Um. Uh. Uh. Collie Greens was my introduction to Schoolboy, and I just thought that song was fire. I just loved the style of it. I love. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was different. It didn't sound like anything that was out at the time or that was came before it. Like he Mm -hmm. he was unique, and Schoolboy's subject matter always had a harder edge. Um. You know, he was he's kind of an ornery, angry kind of dude, but at the same time, he'll talk fly. I just thought. The layers and the complexity of of his work, I, it, it always resonated with me because I'm more into the ignorant type of rap, you know. For and sure. Schoolboys being introspective. At the end of the day, he's a Hoover Crip, right? Like, right. what is he being introspective about? His life right. on those streets, right. on those blocks, gangbanging the type of people that he hung around. Yeah. Um. So he always speaks his truth, and um. 
I don't know if you've gotten a chance to check out the interview he put out with Charlemagne. And you know what? I, I saw you. I don't know if you retweeted it. Or yeah, you yeah, said I, something about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, going to I'm actually going to check that out tonight. Yeah, it's recommendation. It's incredible because, um, you know, he basically like a lot of times he he said he and he put it so eloquently, in my opinion, he said a lot of times people say because I'm talking about gangster shit that it's um frivolous or it's bullshit content. I'm glorifying this. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm giving you my life. Right. Like right. everything I'm talking about is my actual truth, my actual pain, you know, my actual glory, whatever it may be that I'm talking about, yeah. whether it be moving a pack or shooting at somebody like this shit actually happened to me. This shit actually happens in the communities where I'm from. Yeah. Um, to a certain extent, it's like Jay-Z's come up. You know, what I mean, I'm not comparing Schoolboy and Jay-Z, but the stories, you know what I'm saying? It's like if you when you heard Hove rap about. You know, when he said uh, I was selling crack in the building back when selling crack in the building was a big deal. Like, it's, when you hear him talk about stuff like that, he was only giving you his life at that point, which makes sense that people don't like certain albums because he was at a certain time in his life. So maybe you don't like that version of him because you fell in love with the version of him that first copped the Bentley or he first copped the right. Range or whatever. But he's giving you his truth as he goes. And I feel like that's the type of arc that Schoolboy Q is having. And... To me, it's evident by when you get a feature like uh, Lil Baby, right? <laughs> to anybody right. else, it just looked like, you know, whatever. You got Lil Baby on the song, whatever. But it's not it's not so much of, of Q having Lil Baby. It's Lil Baby being on the song because Q has found a way to ingratiate itself with the newer culture and the, the up-and-coming artists because they know that he's official. So yeah, they're not in the, They're big course. on image. And, um, you know, schoolboy, and I'm somebody who's actually a huge fan of Lil Baby. Like, I for sure, yeah, I, I, like I him. loved I like his him. album. I like, I Absolutely. thought it was hard. And, I like, like at first, like I'm somebody who dismissed him as whatever, but like, yeah. I listened to this nigga's music and I'm like, yo, this guy can rap. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, good. I don't care what anybody says, the kid can rap, Bro, right? He's, he's and, good, man. And Schoolboy has mentioned in interviews, he's like, if you see a feature on my album, these are people who I'm fans of and have respect for what I do, conversely, exactly. right? Whether it's exactly. Travis, Dolla Sign, YG, 21, Cuddy, um, obviously Baby. Uh, he's talking, he was like, I only had these people on because I, I respect what they do as artists. I listen to their shit and, yeah. you know, they fuck with what I do. So, you know, it only makes sense that we would come together. Uh, obviously, our, our very close friend, Jake One appears twice on the album. Shout out to Jake. Yeah, he actually produced um the second the second record, Tales, which is one of to me is a standout. It's one mm -hmm. of my favorites. Like when people want to talk about conscious, introspective, blah, 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 rap, like he's doing all of that shit For in sure. a slick ass, gangster ass, crip ass way. Um, it's incredible. Um, another standout for me is the crash record produced by Boy Wonder. Song. That song is crazy to me. Love that song. Uh, obviously, I told you Num Num Juice is crazy. I fuck with Chopsticks. 5200 is my favorite song on the album right now. 5200 is crazy. Oh, I, think my yeah. favorite, I think my favorite is between Tales and Attention, the outro. Atten I just think yeah, Attention is right. I was, yeah. On yeah. the outro where he's like, you know, talking about he saw Jay at the Grammys he, and Jay knew his name. Right. You know, he Nas was his favorite rapper. Nas was like, nigga, you're nice. You know, Alchemist's yeah. favorite producer is his close friend. Like, he's basically bringing you through, you know, yeah. what it is that his life is like nowadays, you know, on the other side of being schoolboy Q. And if, and if you follow Q on Instagram or, you know, social media, like, he's he does social media the right way, too. Like, he was um a couple weeks ago, or it might have been a month now, I don't know, I lose track of time a lot, but he um he was out driving, 
he was riding around. He was like in his in his neighborhood or whatever, and he was just like, you know, he he, he turned the camera on himself and he was like, dog, like I got the ingrown hair next to the Q. Like, nah, he's like, man, I'm about to go back home. Like, I got an ingrown <laughs> next to the Q tattoo. Like, not next to the Q, bro. Like, I'm going back in the crib, and it's it's one of those things that it might come off as just like. Oh, it's just funny, but it's like, no, what he's doing is strategic because a lot of people go through that, bro. Like that little small thing about the day where you went outside and you was like, oh, no, nah, I got a bump on my, oh, no, nah, I'm going to go back home, bro. Fuck this. Like, right. fuck this day. Like, so, you know, he, he does social media the right way, too. He's a he's an all around artist for this day and age. I you agree. Know what I'm saying? For sure. I agree. And, um, you know, just a couple of interesting tidbits is from the Charlemagne interview. Um. He this is the fourth version of the album. Um, he had made three other versions, scrapped them. Okay. And this is the version oh, wow. that he ended up with. Um, he does a, a really in-depth explanation as to why he went through all these ebbs and flows. And when yeah, you listen to watch the interview, um, you know, not to be humble bragging or name dropping or whatever, but like I happen to already know that because um coming into this, that's why I was really excited to hear it. Cause I know somebody who works really closely with him and and I had heard that like, yo, they scrapped, they scrapped the album, you know, top and cued, uh, you know, agreed that the the, the, the version that w- ended up getting made wasn't, you know, wasn't it. So they went back and did this. Uh and so I was, you know, I'm happy with the with the result. Uh, he mentioned that he might be coming sooner with with another album. You know, he he feel he said he's in a better pace, like spiritually, like he feels right. better. Um, you know, uh, he's eating better. He's he's not doing as much. He's not doing lean like he was. He talks about his addiction to lean, and you know, um. So I'm I, I think this is a pretty exciting moment for Schoolboy Q. Um, obviously there's a diversity of sounds. I think. To me, that's what sets him apart from most of his contemporaries. Like, he has a very unique style. He's not yeah. afraid to experiment with different sounds and different elements of, of you know, different genres of music. Yeah. Uh, but it, able it, it never sounds like he's melodies. trying. He does his thing, man. Yeah, it, it never sounds like he's trying to Absolutely. be different. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, the music sounds organic. It sounds like the music that he actually wants to make and that he actually enjoys because... Like, like, you know, like I said, to start the conversation, like, he doesn't sound like anybody else. And, and even amongst, like, my other friends, we talk about Q, and he's one of those guys we place in a different category because it's like, bro, we can't really compare Q to anybody. He doesn't sound like anybody but himself, which is so hard. And I don't think people really grasp that concept, you know, listening to music these days. When people like a lot of songs, you like, you like the songs. You may not necessarily like the artist. You like the song because that artist understands what moves the needle, and he understands certain things. So he says, okay, I'm going to go get this type of BPM. I'm going to say these type of words, and I'm going to put this type of, you know, effort into it because people are going to like the song. But do they like you is the is the question. You know, that's how you stay around and stay relevant. And I think Q just naturally, organically, is just like, he's just a special artist. He's just a, a very special artist. He's going to be around for, a long, for as long as he wants. Yeah, I agree. Um... Everybody, make sure you become a Patreon at patreon.com backslash count the dings. My man Amari, Amari, my man Mari goes in, <laughs> my man Mari goes in a little bit more, even more in depth on the Schoolboy Q New project, as well as some other topics. Uh, of course, make sure you get your tickets May 18th, Chicago. Okay, next week, we touching down in the next Midwest for the, for the very yes, first yo, time. My- 
I know I live in Atlanta and Detroit is my first home, but Chicago really like a second home to me, man. Like I'm a Midwest, man. I'm a Midwest kid at heart. I love everything about Chicago, man. I got a lot of homies in Chicago, you know what I mean? Shout, shout out to my man, my man Scott. You know what I mean? Shout, man, shout yeah, out to shout, his brother shout to Scott, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the homies, man. You know what I'm shout saying? Shout out to Joe. Shout out to my man, Pavy, man. Shout out those, to Pavy. Shout out to everybody over my, there, You know, man. my man, Pavy, is an is a NBA media member now, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Hey, Pavy. I've seen him at a few the one that got games, KD started man. on that streak on the low. Yeah. You feel me? You feel me? Like, shout, shout out to the homies, man. Shout out to the shout Chicago to, homies. Shout out to those boys, man. Oh. But yeah, make sure yeah. make sure you guys get your tickets if you're in the greater Midwest region. Um, If you can drive down, trust me, you will not uh regret it. Jay Adande already confirmed as a panelist. Or we got a couple of mu- a couple of more surprises to pull pull out of our sleeves. So make sure May 18th, you're in the building at the Lincoln Hall in Chicago. Um, of course, thank you to all the people who already subscribed to Patreon, man. Without you guys, we wouldn't be able to put together stuff like Woke Bros and Packing Knives and, you know, a lot of the different properties, the bomb show. Um, we wouldn't be able to do a lot of that stuff without the support of all of our patrons. So I want to give sure. a big shout out to them. Of course, shout out to my brother Mariano. Um, oh, everybody oh, knows everybody knows Mariano is one of the goats you know he's one of the greatest voices that we got count the dings thing man um, I always enjoy chopping it up with, particularly about rap because we're both rap nerds and absolutely we could go on for hours about a lot of this rap stuff so I always love tapping him in my and, man you already know man my brother forever bro and, and, and getting into the post with him um, yeah man we will see you guys next week I'm out